0: Word Radio On Demand,
1: 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD, streaming live at wordradio.com. Our friend of the show, he is Axios reporter Isaac Avalusea, and he is joining us today to talk about uh, a recent report that he did on what is truly a Philadelphia tragedy. How are you today, Isaac? Hey, Tanya, I'm well. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much. Now, last Friday was the second anniversary of the deadly Fairmont fire in North Philadelphia. For people who, and, and, and it's just, it, it's shocking that it was two years uh, already that this has happened. For people who aren't, uh, don't remember the particulars of what happened, can you tell us what happened? Yeah, absolutely, Tanya.
0: So we're, we last, like you to your point, uh, last Friday was a two-year anniversary of the Fairmount Fire in North Philadelphia. Uh, it was a fire that killed at least a dozen people, uh, including several children. And it was started by a five-year-old who uh, was playing with a lighter, and and unfortunately it ignited a, a Christmas tree on the second floor of that unit. Uh, it was a three-story unit, and the flames and the smoke had, had spread to the unit. And what made this really an acute tragedy is that uh, many of the fire alarms or smoke detectors were not working in that unit, um, and there had been several complaints, uh, according to a recently filed lawsuit, about those uh, smoke detectors, and uh, they they were never uh, replaced or uh, made op- operable.
1: Mm-hmm. And the house had no fire escape and no sprinkler system. And we should say that this was a Philadelphia Housing Authority uh, property and that they did know, I believe, that uh, there were at least 12 or more people who were living in this duplex. They were members of a family. Um, and yet it appears since then there, there had, or at least until I saw your article, that there had really been little recourse about how to prevent this kind of tragedy from happening again. But it appears that there have been some, uh, some things that they are trying to do, uh, officials are trying to do to moderate uh, or, or to prevent something like this from happening again. Yeah,
0: there's been a, a federal mandate to have the smoke detectors be hardwired within to within the unit and tamper resistance. So that's at least um, one uh, measure that has been implemented since this tragedy to try to mitigate any sort of future tragedies. But it was really one uh, for the history books. This is something that I think one trade organization had said that there hadn't been as this is one of the five or six worst fires in, in the nation, that there had only been. Five fires that were more deadly in the last 40 years, I think, that, um, that going back to 1980. Uh, so, you know, just a, a real, real tragedy. And if you listen to the plaintiffs uh, that have just filed, the family members of the eight victims that have just filed lawsuits against the Philadelphia Housing Authority, uh, their attorney, Tom Klein, called this unavoidable tragedy, uh, you know, given the concerns about the interoperable um, smoke detectors. There was uh, some representatives from the Philadelphia Housing Authority that in the weeks before the tragedy had repeatedly visited uh, that unit to try to get some of those fire alarms working. And uh, a couple of days before the tragedy, uh, some maintenance workers, had, according to the lawsuit, removed those uh, smoke detectors from the wall because they couldn't get them to work and they were never replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the lawsuit also names the Uh, Department of Human Services, because apparently, according to the lawsuit, a worker from that uh, department was aware of what was going on with the smoke detectors, had apparently pledged or promised to bring working smoke detectors as a unit, but never followed through. So uh, that just really compounds the tragedy.
1: I mean, there there are so many tragedies here. Um, I know yeah. the the young man, I believe, who uh, the the child who set the fire did survive it. Um, do we know anything about how he's doing now, or who, what family d- did he have uh, left to take care of him? I, I know that the he was one of the survivors, and then there was a,
0: a father of a four year old, or, or a father of four of uh, of the children that had perished in the in the um in the tragedy but you know I, i'm not sure how he's doing obviously that's uh a lot to overcome as a four a five-year-old to lose the vast majority if not all of your family and and to really deal with that trauma and you know um kids are resilient so that that's working for them but just i can't even imagine being that young being that vulnerable being that dependent on your caretakers your loved ones and then losing uh all of them in in such a in such a horrific way i can't imagine what uh, that five-year-old is going to deal with lifelong consequences for him.
1: Right, exactly. And and that is probably one of the, uh, I, I mean, this this is a tragedy of epic proportions, which is reflected in the lawsuit. And I have to say, it, it just seemed inevitable at the time that there would be a lawsuit. But initially, it seemed as though uh, the Philadelphia Housing Authority and other officials were kind of like, oh, well, you know, this is tragic, but there was really nothing uh, that we could do. And so, what is different now about this lawsuit when was this filed and what are they contending and what are they asking for
0: yeah it was filed in the last week two years to the day of the uh tragedy mm. and really the uh, philadelphia housing Authority's position hasn't really changed i know according to the inquirer's reporting they had pledged to vigorously litigate uh this lawsuit in court and not the court of public opinion so uh, but, you know, if, if you read the lawsuit, it really paints a horror story. Of what was going on in that unit? Um, you know, there were uh, several people, more than a dozen people that were apparently living in this 1600 square foot home, which surpasses federal occupancy standards, according to the lawsuit. And, and the, uh, the 14 member family had apparently repeatedly asked the housing authority to move them to a bigger home or a bigger unit mm. and uh, request didn't happen or either it fell on deaf ears. And, um, you know, the, the lawsuit went to paint some of the issues, not only in terms of what they were dealing with in, in terms of the uh, inoperable smoke detectors, but this was apparently a rodent, a rodent uh, insect infested um, uh, unit uh, that had severe overcrowding that the housing authority was well aware of for years. And uh, I think the lawsuit painted it as, quote, Overall deplorable and unsafe living conditions. So that gives you kind of a flavor for what uh, that investigation that those lawyers have conducted has unveiled about how that family was living just in uh, sheer misery to some degree.
1: Well, and yes. And and the thing that was immediately clear after this fire happened is that the Philadelphia Housing Authority did know that there were that many people that even though it was a duplex unit and they had two floors, that they knew that there were this many people living in that unit. And despite even in 1600 square feet, 14 people is a, a, a lot of people living in also, in order for them to be living there, if I remember correctly, they had to uh, and were in compliance with, I believe, Philadelphia Housing Authority rules that they had to let them know when each family member moved in. So it wasn't a situation where they were hiding the amount of people. Philadelphia Housing Authority was aware that there were that many people in this unit.
0: Yeah. And I think how, uh, the housing authority's responses kind of just been to the, throw up their hands in there and say, well... We couldn't kick out any of the individuals, right? These could have been unsheltered people that had, you know, uh, that needed a means to live there and we weren't going to kick them out. Um, but I, I'm interested to see, since the family did repeatedly apparently ask to be housed in a bigger unit, how that plays in court. That's that's not a good fact for the, the housing authority that they didn't make accommodations for that family when they had repeatedly been pushing for them
1: well in fact i i I mean fourteen people in a sixteen hundred square foot unit that had no fire escape and no sprinkler system. And so those are the kinds of things where you almost feel like this kind of tragedy seemed inevitable because that is a large amount of people living in a unit and then um, having these smoke alarms that they knew. Again, it's, it appears that they knew based on this lawsuit that these smoke alarms were inoperable or they were problematic. But yet the reporting, as I remember right after it, was that these smoke alarms were rendered inoperable by smokers in the household or something like that. Do you remember uh that being the case?
0: I, I know that the lawsuit had talked about maintenance workers had, had come to the uh apartment a couple days before the fire and had had struggled to fix these interoperable smoke detectors. So according to the lawsuit, they had basically removed them from the walls and the ceilings. So wow. that that's what the lawsuit contends is that not only were they not even in op they weren't even operable, but they weren't even present. So um, you know, that, that's a devastating fact, if true. And, and I think it's really important, Tanya, just kind of drive home the, the point about the 1600 square feet, uh, for your listeners. Just to give you an idea, my girlfriend and I live in about a, tw- a 1280, 1300 square foot apartment complex. And, you know, while that's a sufficient amount of space for us, I can't even imagine cramming 14 other people in there. Like we recently had friends over for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> with My friends and they were in the in the room and like, you know, it was t- tight and snug uh, tidings while they were here. So I can't even imagine cramming in five, six, seven, eight more people into that into our apartment. My and they're, they're, this family's apartment was only two, three hundred square feet bigger than, than the apartment that I live in. So, uh, you know, I think that is just something that really uh listeners really need to kind of have an idea of and and, and as they kind of surmise and uh mull over this tragedy
1: I just get the sense from the reporting at the time. And so it's interesting that the lawsuit brings forth these additional facts uh, or uh, additional uh, contentions that this was the case, because it seemed to me at every level of the reporting on this story that these people were being blamed, in a sense, for their own demise, because there were too many people in the apartment, because uh, maybe there were people in the apartment that were smokers that were disabling the smoke alarms. That was the initial reporting two years ago. Now we're finding out that, in fact, maintenance workers took those smoke alarms out of the property. So they weren't there, uh, if that is what the lawsuit is alleging. And that, in fact, this family had been asking for uh, additional space because potentially this was a family that was struggling and and going through some changes, as you said, that may have had some family members that otherwise would have ended up on the street. But yet it appears that when things happen like this, uh, to people who are considered low income or whatever that distinction may be, that they're almost blamed for, uh, what happens to them. And and I'm glad that this lawsuit is happening to change that narrative. Yeah. And, and, you know, Tanya, the,
0: the, the, lawsuit and the ensuing court battle, if it's not settled out of court, that's really going to paint those two dueling, narratives that you're talking about. And, uh, you know, just I don't want to get into the legal weeds, but a jury, if it gets to that point, is really going to decide what is more true than not. Uh, you know, in, in a civil proceeding, it's a preponderance of evidence standard, which means in essence, 51 percent more true than not. And we're going to get an idea if, uh, if it gets that far from a jury who they believe more. Do they believe uh the family that endured some of these uh, unfortunate circumstances, or are they going to believe the Philadelphia Housing Authority that has seemingly had changing narrative after changing narrative? And uh I, I don't know, but I know just as a lay person, a couple of these facts really do not sit well with me, so I can only imagine what a jury might think.
1: Right, because, I mean, when you think about it, the Philadelphia Housing Authority, more than any other landlord, would seem to have to have things in place to protect their occupants because they are a city agency, as opposed to, we all know that there are private landlords that engage in all kinds of different shenanigans. That's why we have so many laws on the books when it comes to landlord-tenant. But you would definitely think that Philadelphia Housing Authority properties, I know we know that they have to be inspected because there were people who have come through based on the lawsuit that inspected the property it's what happened between the inspection and what happened between the family you know requesting uh, these additional accommodations and what happened with these smoke alarms that is going to be at the crux of this case because you would tend to have uh, Philadelphia Housing authority uh, as a public landlord to have more responsibility.
0: Yeah and I'm sure that that they're going to argue that they on some level what they did or what they felt was sufficient right they they didn't not respond to some of these requests they sent out maintenance workers they sent out some of their representatives to check in on these things but for what whatever reason one reason or another uh they apparently didn't get fixed so uh you know a very fact sensitive case that is gonna come down to a couple key points and 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 we'll see how it plays out but uh we're a long way from there and it very well could settle out of court and there could be um a, a potentially a large settlement and i we have to kind of just keep up with this and monitor it and see where it goes but um uh this is the beginning uh, uh of uh
1: kind of unfurling the facts of this tragedy and uh, we're a long way from home and it truly is a tragedy do we know uh which what family members are pursuing this lawsuit
0: uh i, I don't recall offhand. and i just know it was um family members of eight of the victims that had filed uh suit against a, a city agency but i'm not i can't recall off the top of my head which uh exact were the heads of the estates that are pursuing these actions?
1: Well, the other thing, uh, if there is any good news in this story, is that this led to uh, a long closed fire company also being opened. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about Ladder One that has reopened uh, since this tragedy happened?
0: Yeah, uh, Ladder One is, a, is a, a fire company that was within a mile of that uh, tragedy site. And the city has received about $23 million in a safer grant to reopen not only ladder one, but two other fire companies that had been decommissioned throughout the city uh, uh, during uh, the uh, a budget gap a few years ago that uh, they had been shuttered. But, uh, you know, President Biden was in town a few weeks ago to announce that safer grant mm-hmm. and uh, You know, there had been union officials and fire officials that had felt that it had ladder one been at its disposal on the on uh, the date of that tragedy that maybe more lives had been saved. Um, But, you know, Mayor Kenny was at this news conference and as he had reiterated before that, you know, he remembered this being one of the worst days of his mayorship. Um, And, you know, he recalled uh, first responders having tears in their eyes at being unable to save uh the the family members and and the children that died in this tragedy so uh just a, a really tragic uh time for the city uh one that has been since memorialized the city has erected a memorial to those fire victims in the in the last year but um you know no matter how much solace we try to provide those victims it's it just like we said with a 5-year-old lifelong consequences that they're going to have to deal with and uh, you know, at least this lawsuit, they feel like gives them a, uh, an avenue to try to uh, effectuate some small stroke of justice.
1: And nine children, uh, in fact, perished in this fire. So I know that that had to be difficult for those first responders as well. Uh, when are we thinking that this lawsuit will actually get to trial or do we have any sense of that at all? i i don't
0: i i know that litigation the wheels the turnstiles of justice turn slow as they say right this has just been filed in the last week i think that we can expect uh you know some pre uh, uh trial filings i'm sure that uh these entities if they're already promising to vigorously litigate i would imagine that they're going to probably pursue some sort of uh, uh claim for dismissal and uh, go go through all the pre-trial rigmarole, but um, I think we're probably uh, at least a, a year, or, or if not more, out from this thing heading to court. Um, I'm sure it's going to be complex litigation. Uh, uh, you know, thousands upon thousands of documents that are likely going to be shared through discovery. So we're really at just the beginning stages, but that lawsuit really got the ball rolling, and, and it needed to be because they were reaching that. Um, deadline for when they could file this litigation and still have a claim.
1: Right. And and it should be said that although the Philadelphia Housing Authority did inspect Uh, and found these six inoperable and or disabled smoke alarms that the last time that they expected those uh, two units were in April and May, 2021. And this fire took place six to seven months later. So apparently they did not go back and follow up on that. And I'm sure that that is part of what the lawsuit is is alleging was some negligence on the behalf of the Philadelphia Housing Authority. So it will be something once it goes to trial that I'm sure a lot of people will be watching And, you know, just as an aside um, to make sure that people know that smoke alarms absolutely save lives and that they are saying now that they should be hardwired so that you don't have to worry about replacing those batteries. Um, So those are, um, you know, uh, one of the things that you can do. But. A lot of these fires do impact uh, disproportionately impact people who are low income and, of course, people of color. So uh, we will look to you, I'm sure, Isaac, uh, for your further reporting on this and everything else that is going to be going on in our city in 2024. Isaac Avalusea, Axios reporter, thank you so much for being on Reality Check with us. We appreciate you.
0: Good seeing you as always, Chanya. Look forward to talking to
1: you next time. All righty. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM and online at wordradio.com.